Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Joshua Culp and today we're going to be learning Daf Kaf, um, page 20 of Masechet Moed Katan, of Tractate Moed Katan. Um, this, I believe, is my sixth Daf that I've been learning here, I've been teaching here on Daf, Daily Daf Differently. And I have yet to mention uh, something that's in my blur but is relevant to today's daf. It's a recent book I published with my co-author Jason Rogoff. Uh, You can find it on Amazon or you can find it on the web. It's called Reconstructing the Talmud. And it was a little bit of my my expertise. I did a doctorate in the field of critical Talmudic studies with Professor Shama Friedman at Bar Ilan University. Um, And one of the things that we Talmudic critics try to do is sort of get underneath the surface of the daf, of the Gemara, of whatever rabbinic text we happen to be learning, and see how it was put together, and to show a little bit of a different way of reading it, a little bit more historical, a little bit more critical, um, than probably you're used to from, generally speaking, learning uh, the daf of Gemara. So it happens to be that one of the chapters of this book, the book is called Reconstructing the Talmud, one of the chapters of this book is related to the sugya, the passage that we're going to learn from Moed Katan today, so I really can't help myself but both pitch the book a little bit. I think that it's a book that if you're listening to Daily Daf differently, you're a perfect audience for such a book. I don't make any money off the book, so it's is not a personal pitch to send money and enrich my own coffers. It's a pitch to learn a little bit differently, like Daily Daf differently. So the passage I'm going to start with starts uh, towards the beginning of Daf Kaf, a couple, maybe ten lines down or so, a little bit more than that. Tanu um, Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Kiem Kfiat Mitash Losha Yamim Kodam Haregel, Enot Sarich Lichfota Achar Haregel, Divrei Rebbe Eliezer. So if he fulfilled the mitzvah of overturning the bed three days before the festival, then he doesn't have to turn it over again after the festival, according to Rebbe Eliezer. Now, as a reminder, Kfiat Mitah, we talked about a number of dapim back, is that custom of overturning the bed that I explained earlier is largely a symbolic action, and it symbolizes death. The bed is where life was created. By overturning the bed, we symbolize death. So the the Brita, this Brita specifically says that if you did that minhag for three days, you don't have to do it after the regel. V'chachamim omrim, and the other sages say, Afilu yom echad, afilu sha'achad, afilu sha'achad. Even if you observe this mitzvah for one day, or even one hour before the regel, then after the regel, and here's where it gets a little confusing, then after the regel there are two perushim. Right? One perush, which I believe is historically correct perush, is that after the regel you do not have to go overturn the bed again. In other words, if you sat one hour, one day of Avelut, of Shiva, 
before the Regal, before the festival, then you would have to continue sitting Shiva after the festival. The only thing that you wouldn't have to do is Kfiatamita, overturning the bed. And now that is not the normal Talmudic perush. The normal Talmudic perush explanation is that the Chachamim are saying against the Mishnah that if you set any form of Avilut for an hour, for a day before the Regal, then Shiva is over and you don't go back to observing Shiva. Now I want to show you where I believe that explanation comes from. I do not think that that is the original meaning of the Chachamim. The sages who are um, Tanitic sages living in the time of the Mishnah, it is my opinion that in the Mishnaic times, in the earlier period, everybody felt that you had to observe at least three days of Avilut in order for the Regal to cancel out the rest of the Shiva. But there was an exception for Kfiatamita, that for Kfiatamita, according to the sages, for overturning the bed, if you overturn the bed once, because it's a symbolic act, You've already symbolized death, and therefore you do not overturn it again after the festival, at least according to the sages. But again, that's not the Talmudic explanation. That was what I believe to be the pshat, the original meaning of this brighter. And I want to show you in a few moments where I believe this Talmudic explanation comes in. Amar Rabbi Elazar ber Rabbi Shimon. Gemara goes on. Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, says, "Hen hen di Rabbi Shammai, hen hen di Rabbi Hillel." These words, machoke between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim, is the same debate that Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai have. Shebeit Shammai omrim shlosha yamim, Beit Hillel omrim afilo yom achad. Beit Shammai said you had to observe kfiat amita, overturning the bed for three days, and Beit Hillel said for one day. Now, again, the same question comes up over here. Is it that for three days, according to Beit Shammai, that would overturn the festival? And for Rabbi, for Beit Hillel, one day? In which case, our Mishnah is not according to Beit Hillel. Or is it a special issue of Kriyatamita overturning the bed? And they debate only that. But everybody holds that if you didn't observe a full three days, then you continue to observe the festival, uh, the, the Shiva after the festival. Okay, the Gemara goes on. Amar Rav Huna, Amar Rabbi Chia, Bar Abba, Amar Rabbi Yochan. These three Amoraim said, Va'amreira, Amar Rahu Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chia, Bar Abba, or Rav Huna. So some people say Rabbi Yochanan said it to these other Amoraim. Afiru Yom Echad, Afiru Sha'achad. Even one day, even one hour, but again, that's according to Beit Hillel. Nothing surprising that they rule that the Halacha is according to Beit Hillel. The question is, what does it mean, one hour, one day? What don't you have to do? after the festival. Is it that you don't have to observe uh, any Shiva customs? Or is it that you don't have to turn over the bed again? Rava Amar Halacha Kitana Didan De Amar Shlosha. So Rava says something here that I think is absolutely crucial. He says the Halacha is according to our Mishnah. And remember the Mishnah said you had to observe three days of, of mourning in order for the festival to interrupt the Shiva, not one hour. The halacha is like our Tana who holds three days. But Rava, a, a middle level, mid, um, mid, uh, like century, mid fourth century Babylonian Amora, he is the first Amora to say that there's a conflict between the Mishnah and the Bright. Okay, I know this is a little bit confusing, right? But earlier Amoraim may have said, look, the Bright was talking about overturning the bed. And the Mishnah was talking about Avelut in general, about the Shiva in general. The Mishnah says you have to keep three days. 
And if you don't, then Shiva continues. Uh, and the Brighta said, look, when it comes to Kfiat Amitah, at least Beit Hillel and the rabbis hold that Shiva might continue, but Kfiat Amitah does not continue overturning the bed. Once you've done that once, it's enough. There's no necessary conflict between the Mishnah and the Brighta until we learn of it from Rava. Because Rava reads the Brighta as saying, look, if you kept one hour of Shiva, then the festival annuls the rest of Shiva. The Brighta does not specify Kfiat because that's the only thing that doesn't continue. It's just one Dugma. He doesn't explain why they would use that as the Dugma. But Rava clearly holds that though Brighta and the Mishnah disagree with each other. And so therefore, the norm of ruling of Halakha is to rule according to the Mishnah. So you have to keep three full days. Now, let's go on a little bit. Ravina Ikla the Sura de Prat. Ravina came to Sura on the Euphrates River. Amar le Ravchaviva le Ravina, Hilchatamai. Ravina, Ravchaviva asked Ravina, what's the halacha? Amar le Afilo Yomachad Afilo So these Leda Moraim, they ask, what's the halacha? And Ravina says, even one hour, even one day. Now, by this point, right, we've followed Rava. Rava said the Brita says one hour, one day. Not with a limited sense that you just don't keep Kfiatamita afterwards, overturning of the bed. But in the more maximal reading of the Brita, that once you've sat Shiva, according to the Brita, for one hour before the festival, it's done. You don't have to continue it after the festival. That is the ruling of Ravina. And because we generally speak, we generally say the halacha is like the latest Amoraim, so the halacha follows Ravina, which means to this very day, the halacha is that if you keep one hour of Shiva before the festival, there's no more Shiva after the festival, which is a very difficult halacha for many people to observe. It's very stark. right? You've buried... A, a loved person, your close relative, one hour before the festival, you barely sat Shiva, you've barely had an opportunity to be comforted, and bang, the, sh- the festival comes, you have to celebrate, and that's it. Right? There's no more Shiva. It's a very difficult halacha. I will say um, that uh, if you uh, read the book, right, you may see, you'll see there that there's an addendum, an appendix to our chapter written by a friend and a colleague, uh, Dr. Shai Sekunder, who actually happens to live here also in Modi'in, and is an expert on Zoroastrian Persian studies and their relevance to Talmudic studies. And he points out that in Babylonia, non-Jews felt that excessive mourning was problematic. A person who mourned or cried too much prevented the soul of the um, person who had died from proceeding to uh, the next world, the next station that this soul would travel to. And so um, these Zoroastrians uh, discouraged excessive signs of mourning, which is something we occasionally see in the Babylonian Talmud. We have saw that statement before that I promised to explain. Halacha kidivrei hamekel be'avel. That halacha is according to the lenient opinion in Avelut. Now, the Jews did not get rid of Avelut. There are certainly many examples of real Avelut, and in normal situations, Jews in Babylonia seem to have sat a full shiva. But when presented with two halachic choices, a lenient and a uh, stringent choice, the Jews of Babylonia chose to be lenient when it comes to Avelut. Perhaps, all right, and this is something that we can't know for sure, perhaps 
under the influence of their general cultural milieu, which saw excessive mourning as um, problematic, something that was undesirable. Again, I don't know for sure if that's why they rule leniently, but it certainly comes up in this sugya that um, in the case where the festival interrupts Shiva, the law doesn't follow the Mishnah, which says you have to observe three days. The law follows these later Amoraim, only one hour, only one day. If you found this a little bit confusing, the book is called Reconstructing the Talmud. I think by the time you listen to this, it should be available on Amazon or at the... Um, you can write to me personally and I can tell you where to get it. I think you'll enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.